everybody, how's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know what it is. This is Kevin from the Code Progression Podcast. Let's MSOT rocks. We're rocking metal thrive. Wish you guys a happy Tuesday. It is December 8th, and we have an early Christmas gift for you where my contact over at Amsplitter PR, his name is Tim. He sent us a lot of great bands, and I've gotten connected with him. Like, he was the guy who got contact with Kill the Lights. He sent us guys like Saul, Simon McBride, Eagle Kill Talent, Avat, um, and plenty more. And he sent me another great one saying that, check out this band. They're a heavy metal instrumental band that I think you're going to like. I'm like, ooh, I've never had an instrumental band on the podcast. Well, let's see what they got. And their sound is absolutely incredible. Absolutely love it. It's heavy. It's fast-paced. A little genty at times with two eight-string guitars. And I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. Listen to their fourth-phase EP. It's called The Fourth Phase, mind you. And I got to talk to the bassist, Chris all about it and it is incredible plus you get to hear his take on him as a bassist and how his classical training and jazz training has helped him out a lot in terms of just being able to improvise with this band and being able to do what they need to do so please welcome chris from the band collies to the podcast are you guys ready it's an early christmas gift for you guys let's go yeah well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Chord Progression Podcast, this is a little bit of a different band that I've had recently because, well, I've never had a band on that was purely instrumental at this point, and this is going to be the first one of that, so this is a whole new world for me, but if you listen to their sound, it is absolutely incredible, so please welcome the band, Collius Chris. So, Chris, welcome to the Chord Progression Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for being on. How are you today, sir, on this? Well, we're shooting on a Monday, so how are you on this Monday? Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, you know, just uh, played some bass, got some practicing in, uh, did, some, uh, did some screaming on some vocals. You know, just a typical Monday for me. Just a typical Monday. Not, not a bad way to spend a Monday either because, I mean, right now it's starting to get cold outside. Well, I'm not sure in your part of the world, but... Where I'm right, right right now, starting to get cold outside. Woke up this morning, my car was all frosty, so I was like, oh, man. Yeah, no, I hear that. I'm in New York, so definitely feeling that. Uh, I spend a lot of time outside when I can and hiking and stuff, so it's been pretty windy here. Definitely uh, feel that winter coming coming soon. Right, are you in upstate New York, though? No, not too far upstate. No, I'm in Westchester area, just, uh, just north of the city. Okay, because I don't really know much about like when you started talking about hiking i'm like okay i'm assuming somewhere more upstate where that'd be a lot more what's the word apple or apt to be had just because then you're not stuck in the city where everything's kind of just everything flat buildings everywhere unless you want to start like hiking and scaling buildings i mean yeah no urban no urban hikes for me really i'm uh you know go out in the forest and uh, just get away from it and especially with everything that's happened this year that is never a bad idea Absolutely. You'd be surprised how many people are out there now, though. You know, everyone wants to get out of the city. Everyone's uh, trying to get out into the countryside, and uh, those parks are full of people. Well, we'll see what happens in the next month or so when stuff starts getting colder and people are just going to be like, I don't want to brave the cold. <laughs> no, I hear you. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. I was out this weekend. I figured no one would be there, but it just hasn't gotten cold yet. So maybe when the, the frost comes, that's maybe that'll be my time. Maybe when the frost comes in, like after Thanksgiving ish, when all of a sudden it's just people start getting in the Christmas spirit as well. Because, well, when the podcast airs, we'll be in that Christmas time spirit. So maybe everyone's like, oh my gosh, want to just spend time, in, time inside watching Christmas movies, baking Christmas cookies, doing all that fun stuff. And then the wilderness is just open to your disposal. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah. Got to get my cabin in the woods for that time. <laughs> yeah. And well, I always like to start out with something like this, but I think you kind of just uh, did what I was going to do because I always start out with um, letting you introduce yourself with your name, what you do in the band, and then also a fun fact about yourself. But I need it to be the wackiest thing possible. But I think hiking just in the bitter cold and waiting for people waiting to get to that part so that people clear out. And you can just have the wilderness all to yourself. I think that kind of fits into that moniker. So I think you kind of yeah. already did it without even knowing it. Uh, uh, sweet. I'm, I'm glad I can just, you know, just just roll with it here. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm the guy that pulls into the parking lot in the middle of the winter to go hiking and it's the only car there. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, hey, then you have the whole place to yourself and you can just like start throwing snowballs at wild animals if you know you've ever feel like it, which I don't condone necessarily. But I've seen some people do it. Everyone kind of did that as a kid. Like, ooh, squirrel. Ha! Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. We may get a deer or something. It's it kind of like deer hunting in a way. I mean, where I'm like where I'm from, because I'm from Wisconsin. It's just like you know, we're shooting this right around deer hunting season, so everyone's getting ready to oh, okay. go up north, dress all in orange so that they're clearly visible, and then just sit in a tree stand for ten, eleven hours waiting for <laughs> just maybe one deer to pass by. Got to get that deer for the winter. Exactly. Unfortunately, I've never done that before. I've kind of always wanted to do it, but I've never. As I had a lot of my friends that were doing it, but. My family never really got into it, so I never really had the time to just they're the like the full on will to just learn or just basically go with somebody else. Like, hey, can I just tag along going deer hunting with you guys? Like, that just seemed kind of weird. Yeah, growing up in Connecticut, um, the only deer you really you know there was no deer hunting as they walked past the uh, your front yard or <laughs> in your friend's house. The, the, no, no hunting in uh, Fairfield County around that area. You got to go out to Pennsylvania, maybe. Uh, but then that's, I mean, that's not too far from Connecticut. I mean, cause you guys got to go through New York. Yeah, not too bad, but uh, yeah, no, no hunting where I'm from and definitely similar where never really, never did the hunting thing. Uh, thought about it, but uh, I think right now I'm happy the way my food arrives, you know, just nicely prepared already, <laughs> you know, just, I can't think, I, I think I'm, I'm good. I think I'm good. Just skipping all that, that, that crazy, the crazy steps there that, you know, someone takes care of for me, but I can I mean, see I that the connection. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame you either. Just cause I like, even for myself as well, it's just, I, the only thing I've really done that's more like in that, like hunting or like kind of capture, capture your own food kind of thing is every year going up North, like for a week, we'll end up fishing. It's usually me and my grandpa and my little cousin while our, our whole family's up there, but it's usually the three of us that just end up fishing. And this past year, my little cousin, my grandpa, man, they were catching all these different kind of panfish, like bluegills, uh, crappies, perch, all that good kind of stuff. And everything that I caught died because they swallowed the hook so far down. It's like, I got to get it out somehow. And it's just like, well, uh, or they're way too small. So by the time it was, by the time they were done fishing, it's like, okay, we got to clean these fish. They look right at me. It's like, you got to do it now. Oh, man. Yeah, I uh, didn't didn't do much fishing growing up other than uh, a little bit under the bridge in uh, in Greenwich or uh, in Connecticut again, just catching uh, snappers or uh, baby striped bass. <laughs> but of course, you got to send them back because you can't keep those. <laughs> yeah, like the little baby ones. I mean, you want to you got to wait till they're you know full grown and then you can have yourself uh, quite a nice meal. Oh yeah. Ah oh, man, I'm getting hungry. I even ate fish before we started this podcast too. So. You're making even harder I went for in. fish, man. What the hell? <laughs> I went in. I went in uh, just being Italian. I, I had uh, some raviolis with some pork brajol before, you know. 
before we got started. Okay, now you're making me even hungrier than I just was. <laughs> you're killing me out here, man. Sorry, man. Just, it's the Italian side of me sneaking out. <laughs> but not only am I hungry for more food, I'm also hungry for some good heavy metal kind of music, which obviously after listening to you guys after uh, the contact from Adam Slitter sent me your stuff, I was like, holy crap, dude. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's always a good time for some heavy Oh, so I was going to say, let's dive right into it. So when it comes to Kalias, wait, did I say that right again? I always oh, yeah. forget. Okay. So when it comes to Kalias, I was trying to find some stuff on the band because I wanted to know kind of the whole history behind it, kind of how everything came together. But I could not find really anything online when it comes to history. All I know is, is that you guys released an EP at the end of October and that was about it. So this is kind of all mystery to me. I'm like, try, I'm like going to be like Scooby-Doo or Sherlock Holmes trying to figure this out. So, <laughs> so what all happened with, um, with you and the rest of the band when it came to forming Kalias and then getting going forward, producing this heavy metal sound that you guys came up with, sticking with an instrumental style and then releasing this EP? Yeah, so um, this project was, you know, put together really um, with Zachy and Nicole um you know they they you know they 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 got put together with uh with jp who was our drummer and um you know i've known nicole for a number of years we've been in a couple of different bands together and uh we had a little bit of a hiatus the last couple of years and um she went and discovered another eight string guitar player which i know was kind of near and dear to her uh, her heart that was kind of her journey is trying to find that uh that, that eight string partner in crime, so to speak. Um, you know, we were in a previous band called Meridium where we were um, also instrumental group and it was just one guitar player, just herself. Uh, and so she was looking to expand and have that second guitar player. Um, so I do think JP connected them and, um, you know, JP knows Zachy uh, for a number of years as well, uh, just through Zachy's studio and uh, some of the, for those of you who don't know, Zachy is uh, not only is he a, a guitar player, but he's actually a, a pretty nasty drummer as well. So JP and Zachy spent a lot of time hanging out in their drum circles, playing riffs back and forth. And um, so the three of them um, got together and um, they were writing for a while and, you know, they were they were getting together, they were playing. And, you know, like any guitar player, you know, eventually they realize they're missing something, you know, they're missing that the bass player. <laughs> I mean, they have so many strings where I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of bands think about it, you know, what can you do? You could do so much more with eight strings. Uh, I know with Sugar in the beginning didn't have a bass player, but, um, you know, Nicole wanted to bring me in and see what I could bring to the project because they started playing with some other people and, um, you know, they really wanted to see, what would happen would be bringing that fourth element, um, you know, because they had been vibing so well, uh, writing, the music had just been flowing. So they didn't want to, you know, change that. They didn't want to affect it negatively. So they had to find that right piece. Um, and so they brought, uh, Nicole came over my place with Zachy one day. Um, you know, I had no idea. She was, uh, you know, Nicole, she's, I had no idea she was bringing anyone. She just kind of shows up, you know, and she's like, I got the guitar player. He plays eight string. He really, you know, we got some music. Check it out. And they put on, you know, a demo for, uh, I think they put on Light. And I was just like, 
he wrote this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, it was really cool because I've been looking for something that was more technically challenged, technically challenging. Um, and this music really brought that forward for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bass player, I'm a jack of all trades. You know, I love metal, I love hard, heavy music. Um, but as you can see behind me, I have my upright bass, uh, I have my five string over there and I have my six string behind me, which is what I play in Kalias. And, um, you know, I, I have a lot of classical training, a lot of jazz training, um, and getting the opportunity to play music that I love that was also technically challenging um, was really was really exciting to be a part of. So I went in. Well, first I like send me these songs because I'm not showing up to rehearsal without, yeah. without getting these songs and at least showing up being able to play one because I can't show up and play this music. And I think that's the challenging part with you know finding musicians. You know when it comes to metal, it's like you don't meet them at a jam one day and. Uh, you know, um, the music is technically this technical and it's very challenging to just kind of jump into. So I really wanted it to rehearse and I showed up, um, got my opportunity to play with them and the the vibe was right. Um, you know, me and JP meshed, you know, pretty, pretty quickly with our, our playing. And, uh, and I think that's, that's really important. It could take, it takes time to develop as a bass and drummer. You're kind of feeling each other out and now we did that for a few weeks uh, and then a couple of months. And then before you know it, you know, we're all starting vibing as a group. Um, and then the more writing happened and, you know, with the, uh, just the way that I, I've always been writing with Nicole and the projects that we've done, COVID hasn't affected us too much because, you know, we, we do a lot of writing and a lot of communicating all like this remotely. Um, you know, she's very often 3,000 miles away in California. So sometimes we uh, do a lot of stuff just like this. And um, so, so you a, know, <laughs> I was gonna say, that's a good thing that COVID really didn't uh, hinder you guys in any way due to the fact that you're already set up for success being so far away. Even with the full-time job that I work right now, it's like when we had to go remotely for because of COVID, there were only two of us that actually worked out of the office out of six people. So, so going remote was literally just like no change for us. So I kind of get where you're coming from where, you know, it's like you're, if you're going to be writing with Nicole, you're going to be constantly doing stuff like zoom calls or Skype calls. You're going to be sending each other stuff back and forth. You're never going to necessarily be in that room together. But the fact that yeah. you guys already had that going on before this whole entire COVID thing happened, once it did, it's like you guys didn't skip a beat at all. It was just all natural just going forward. And except maybe you had a little bit more time to write because everything else was shut down. So what are you going to do during that time when you're not at work? You're going to end up writing. Yeah, you know, the craziest, the craziest thing is, I don't know if you, you were, you're probably not aware, but we actually had our debut shows scheduled for May uh, 2020. Um, and we had um, been promoting a, a, a show with a bunch of local artists and um yeah so exactly was putting that together we had a bunch of people working to put that together and it was just like watching that that clock we were just watching the clock go down and realizing <laughs> you know what this that's not gonna happen and uh, sure enough i mean when talking about timing it was literally a week before the show date that most of the um shutdowns happened and the, the stop works happened and um you know that was pretty challenging for us but Again, it, it did give us that opportunity to 
focus in and 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 do more writing and um kind of you know make sure we get ahead of it you know um having the opportunity to to take to, to partner with the orchard and and um having the opportunity to 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 try to be have more creative ways to reach uh listeners is has been exciting in a way um it's obviously really new for everyone and um, we look forward to what 2021 is going to be like hopefully <laughs> we get the opportunity to play live but if not <laughs> you know <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try to come up with more creative ways to reach our fans and um you know that comes through um you know live you know capturing yourself playing live with a bunch of buddies to get a videographer to come in and share that with everyone um, whatever you can do to connect with people and we try to do that as much as possible through our ig and um, you know every social media outlet we can get our hands on yeah and you're not the only ones that are dealing with this as well i mean every single band all over the world is dealing with this where right when the shutdown happened i mean because it happened all across the world too bands were consistently trying to find ways in order to basically stay ahead of the curve and just stay relevant in the public eye or in the, in the, in the community's eye as well for rock and metal. So we had so many people doing so many different things and a lot of it did stay attentive on social media, especially during those first month, especially during that first month or two, due to the fact that everyone was at home. Everyone was constantly looking for something new. We all couldn't watch Tiger King three straight times though I actually never watched it because I was like looking at I was kind of looking at all the new music that was coming out that time too and kind of figuring out like for myself how can I keep growing all my stuff I'm like oh let's start interviewing a lot more bands because what else are they going to be doing right now and it just kind of worked out that way so in that sense with what you guys were doing you were constantly trying to stay ahead of the curve in order to make sure that when live shows came back that you would have a larger audience than you would have than if you would have been doing those live shows when they were initially planned. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, thinking about, again, those, those, those ways of, of meeting fans. Right. So we, um, you know, when we were thinking, how do we release an EP and, and if we can't play a show, how are they going to know who we are? You know, what do we look like? You know, what do we, what, what is our style when we're on stage? You know, what kind of force do we, do we bring? Right. And, um, I think that's why we wanted to uh, to release the record alongside our uh, our music video for Black Dream, because we really wanted to have the you know the listener have that visual um, side of the experience. I think it's really important to kind of mesh those two together because you know when you go to a concert, sure you close your eyes at times, but you're there because you wanna you wanna observe, right? And you wanna you wanna feel like you're a part of it. Uh, you wanna see and feel that energy. And, um, you know, that's if you check out uh, Black Dream, um, our music video, I think you're going to get a sense of what we're going to bring to the stage when you when you do get a chance to see us. Well, first off on that, everyone check out the Black Dream video right after this podcast, because, well, yeah, we're going to push that because we feel like it. <laughs> and second <laughs> and second off, I'm a big like I'm I'm a big fan of cats. I I've miss cops. It's like crazy. Even today, as we're shooting this. Um, I was set to go to a show back in June for it was Whitechapel and Azalea Dine was the headliner. And I was super excited because I loved Azalea Dine's album from 2019. Then it got rescheduled all the way back to March of 2021. I'm like, okay, at least we're getting a date on it. And just the day that the day we're shooting, I got an email that said, yep, it's fully canceled. I'm just sitting here thinking, you got to be kidding me. Another one. Because <sighs> yeah. it's, yeah. it's something where with concerts, I've spoken about it a good amount of times. and I'm a big proponent of it where there's just a sense of this community that comes within a concert setting because 
everyone's there to see the band that's going to be there. And the reason they're there is because they have some sort of positive connection with that band, whether it's they know somebody in that band and they want to support them. Or if it's someone that really connects to their music, everyone's there and they want to be there. And there's a positivity around it that just lets people enjoy it. It doesn't matter who the hell anybody is. All that matters is everyone's there to see that band and just have a great time. And it's just mm-hmm. that something that, especially in 2020 with everything that happened in the United States, that's something that we absolutely missed. You know, and what's what's crazy is I just got to the point in my life where, you know what, I just started going to concerts by myself. I wasn't really a solo concert goer. Um, always like, I got a group of friends, right? Got to get everyone to go. Got to get in the band, right? You know? Oh, yeah. Um, got to all hop on the train. <laughs> Maybe I'm just too nostalgic to think about my youth. But, you know, as I've gotten older and I'm, you know, it's such a bummer, right, that this happened. But with COVID and the shutdowns, but I started going to a lot of shows by myself and it's a completely different experience. And if those of you who haven't done it, I highly, highly suggest going to see some shows solo because it's like traveling solo. For those of you who travel solo, you know the benefits, you know, you get to meet people and, uh, you know, experience things you don't normally get to experience. And also you don't have to be beholden to anyone else's needs or desires. You could do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and that's also what's great about being in a show. You don't got to interact with the bar. I'm going to get a drink. I got to go to the bathroom. Then you got to try to find the person. Listen, when you're oh. by yourself, you're just in the zone. And you're just you and the, you and the band in the crowd. It's, it's great. When it comes to both going to concerts by yourself and both traveling by yourself, I have to absolutely agree with you 100% because – Leave it like like last year. I don't know how many shows I went to, but it was I was mostly going to those shows myself, just because it was. I, if I would go and if I go and like ask people, hey, you guys want to go? I'd some get sometimes get some yeses. I buy the tickets. It's like, hey, you know, let's all go. I, I'll get the tickets. I can get them. I've got the connections. Let's make it happen. And then all of a sudden, it's yeah, um, we can't go. And then they wouldn't they pay for the tickets. And all. The <laughs> yeah. So now I'm, it's like, it's like, but you guys said you would go and they wouldn't pay me back for the ticket that they said they were going to take. So it's like, okay, now I'm going to lose out. Especially if I bought like four tickets, that's easy, like a hundred, 120 bucks. And I'm completely out. And it's like, well, what the hell? And I'm trying to resell them is a pain in the ass, but going by myself, it's just, like you said, you're not beholden to everybody where someone wants to go get a drink. Okay. Now everyone's got to go to the bar. Someone's got to go to the bathroom. Okay. And it's just trying to find someone in the end. And for me specifically, it's once that mosh pit gets going, I have such a hard time staying on the sidelines. Like if someone pushes me in and I get hit right away, it is over. I am in there for the rest of the night because it's just, <laughs> it just, there's this energy positive. There's this vibe that comes off of it. And there's going to be people. It's like, Oh, we don't want to be anywhere near that. It's like, well, I want to be near that. But if we all came together, it's kind of weird. So just the ugh. best spot in the whole, the whole area and the whole show, the whole arena. I mean, you got to stand you know, wherever the pit is, the circle, you know, you got to stand right on the edge of it. So you get a nice clear view of the stage. No one's in front of you. You got to watch the, you know, the spinning roundhouse kicks that might fly by and the elbows. But, you know, you get that like undivided, like, you know, just that perfect view of the stage. Oh, absolutely. I remember last year for Riot Fest in Chicago, I was seeing Rise Against and it was just how jam packed everyone was in there. It was like super hot and muggy that night. So I was like, okay, I'm just trying to find some place where I can breathe. I saw a mosh pit form. I was just so happy. I'm like, <gasps> space, air, and I get to hit somebody. Yeah. I just like, I somehow made my way over there and it was the best decision I made the whole night. But it's like, even like for people like myself, where I love jumping into the mosh pits, I'm not going to do the running. I'm not going to spin in like punch and kick people. Like I'll bash into people, like slam into them with my shoulder, you know, just because that's always fun. 
if I get knocked down, you know, I've got like three people coming to pick me back up. If someone else gets knocked down, like my hands pretty much right there. Like, come on, get up on there, buddy. Oh yeah. And it's always oh, just yeah. a fun time. And I love doing that just cause there's a lot of people that don't even want to go anywhere near that. It's like, but I want to go there. So I'm going to just go kind of just by myself and not be worried about that. Plus the amount of people that you meet at those shows is crazy. It's like, I have my own little like rock and metal family that I go to see shows with though. We, ne- we don't know, like no one knows each other's names. We all know each other's faces. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> that's great. No, that's good. That's, you know, that's you guys just do that thing that you love together, man. Yeah, and it's like so there's times where all of a sudden it's just I see people it's like, oh, hey, man, where were you for the last show? Oh, I couldn't make it. I had uh, like watch my daughter or something. It's like, oh, okay, cool. But you're here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have so much fun with that. But yeah, if, if if once concerts come back and then once COVID is over, because then that's when traveling will start ha- picking up again. If you have the means, if you want to do it, please, please, please give it a shot and go by yourself. It is one of the best decisions you'll make and you'll enjoy every second of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you, you know, and you get to just, uh, I find you, you get more um, opportunities to, to go talk to even the bands too. You know, when you're in a group of people, it's a little intimidating, but when you're by yourself, I find myself easily a, a more able to approach uh, bands and talk to them and, um, you know, get to spend some time getting, see how their travels have been. So. Oh, I, I agree with that too. Cause this year with like, there's been a couple of shows that have happened during like right as the shutdown happened and during just, but like really small scale, socially distanced kind of stuff. It's bands that I've had in the podcast before. So it's like, I'm going to go support them. I want to go see them play. I want to see what happens. So like there's times I traveled to Chicago. I travel up to green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm from Milwaukee, by the way. And then I also traveled okay. to the middle of nowhere in the middle of Northern Wisconsin to see two bands that I've interviewed before. And I got to hang out with them after the show, talk with them, get to know them on like a different level than I had even on the podcast. And I it's, hope that was it, in warm weather. Um, let's see. The one in Chicago was in March. The one in the one in Green Bay was in July. And the one in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin was the day after Labor Day. So it was, but when I went up there, man, it was like 45 degrees outside yeah. it was a cold day out night i was like oh man this is gonna be interesting and i all i had was a t-shirt on i'm like oh this is gonna be fun mm-hmm. but cold. but oh well memories <laughs> but but then again once live shows get going back i mean we'll see what ha- we've got to see what happens with you guys because again you guys had those debut shows that you guys had unfortunately had to get postponed because of this but then once those live shows come back, what what's the absolute plan with that if there is a plan right now? I mean, right now, it's tough, right? You can't even prepare for a live show because it's like everything else. It's like phase one, phase two, back to phase one, phase three, phase two. So, you know, we would definitely um, or would be more than, you know, <laughs> excited to, to play a show, um, especially since, you know, it's not very common that you release uh an ep before even playing sharing a stage together you know um so that's been a little bit different too um knowing that we've been having the goal of playing live and in this situation just not having that opportunity um as a musician that that you know is a working musician at times uh i i feel for all those people who can't you know make the bring the bread to the table um with the gigs anymore either um so you know not only for for new bands but for working musicians of all of all likes man it's it's a bummer you know i i got a i got a super uh, i got an old jazz cat lives next to me 
And every time I see him in the hallway, just say, yeah, Chris, man, oh, there's no gigs, man. There's no gigs, you know, <laughs> it's tough, it's tough. But, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we get those vaccines. Everyone gets pumped up <laughs> ready, and we're ready to, uh, to mosh and sweat and, you know, grind all over a bunch of strangers uh, uh, in the middle of, uh, you know, Gramercy in, in uh, downtown. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, taking a look like, I mean, with that vaccine, everything um, with what Pfizer had and with uh, from the previous week when we shot this with their announcement that their phase three was completed and it had like a 90 percent effective rate. And then again, the day we shot this, Moderna had theirs at like 94.5 after phase three. So it looks like there's multiple companies that are making multiple effective vaccines so that when time when the time does come and they get rolled out it's going to be you're going to have more, you're going to have more ability to get them and then hopefully we can get back to playing having people play live shows and for the fans getting back to those live shows and well for me personally just slamming into strangers and having a good time listening to some rock and heavy metal right i mean come on even the even the simple thing of uh being able to walk by someone on a sidewalk without having to cross the street <laughs> oh yeah or or like with uh with your with your neighbor as well just just, you know, you're walking down the street, like in a downtown setting, whether it's New York, where I'm from Milwaukee, Chicago, or even if it's a smaller town and just hearing music from inside, like live music, just from inside a venue and just curious about it and just walk right in. I mean, can we get some of that back? I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. Is that, is that a thing? Is that, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I, so I was wrong. in Nashville all the time and, and that's what they, so it's what it's like when you walk down Broadway in Nashville, you know, um, but right now I don't. I don't, I don't know if it's like that. I don't know. The bands are uh, the bands are playing right now. I mean, I know, I know there are some bands that are playing right now, but it's like all the shows that they're playing are very, very small or very, very minute to the point where it's like, okay, you're going to get like 50, maybe like for a larger place, you're going to get 50, maybe 100 people to show up, but everyone's got to be spaced out. Everyone's got to uh, abide by proper COVID protocols that that municipality has. So it's, it's all just a game of who's doing what. And not only that, but... It all depends upon what state you're in as well, where it's in some of the more southern states here in the United States, you're seeing a lot more bands playing those smaller shows because they have the ability to. But if you come further north in the United States, it's not many people are doing that because just that's the way that the COVID regulations are right now. So if anyone has a venue that has those pods that can host people safely, give Kali us a call. We will show up and we will play. um have you seen those pods though people are doing these shows and they have like their own little uh enclosed area to sit in i have seen something like that i haven't seen anything like in an indoor setting what i've seen is over in europe they were doing that in an outdoor venue where it's still they're not pods but but it's still open air but it's like these little like uh mini stages that people are staying standing on that are about six feet apart from a bunch of different other mini stages where it's like (laughs) you have like three or four people on there so there's stuff that is going on or I've seen, I've even talked to a different band from, uh, from Germany and they've been playing some live shows outdoors and they end up buying a fire truck, turn it into their own vehicle. And then they just play on top of it. Well, you hear that? I mean, uh, everyone wants to donate a fire truck to Collius where, <laughs> you know, we'll, you know, if you want to rig a stage onto it, I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, if you guys, if, if someone has a fire truck, they want to donate to Kalias, please, 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 please do. Because we're going to, you get, I mean, a heavy metal fire truck. Come on. I've seen a hard yes. rock fire truck, but I want to see heavy metal fire truck. 
I think it kind of just goes together really well. It, it does all of a sudden, especially because then at one point you could even have the siren be a part of a song if you want to. Oh, that's a given. Yeah, you have to. So I want to jump a little bit further into Kali's music itself due to the fact that, again, with you guys saying that you had those live shows booked for your debut shows, but they didn't really happen because, damn you, COVID. And then with the fourth phase EP coming out at the end of October, one like I said, mentioned earlier in the podcast, you guys were fully instrumental, and that was something that I've a band that, like that that I've never actually interviewed on this podcast for. That's just the way it's happened. So what I want to know is, what was the decision to go purely instrumental? Well, you know, I think a lot of the times, you know, in the projects that I've been that have been with instrumental, just something that kind of just forms naturally. Um, you know, the music that they put together was written without vocals, um, but we're not necessarily opposed to um, pursuing our future solely as an instrumental group. Um, we've we've definitely thought about, you know, bringing vocals in, We're you know, as musicians, I think, you know, we don't want to ever close off uh, doors and close off our minds to, you know, what the music can can do and how it can grow. So, you know, we've written, we've tried to write our music in a way where it doesn't say this needs a vocal, right? Because that would be incomplete. So we try to write music that carries itself, um, you know, melodically with with the guitars or the arrangements that we put together, we try to do it so it's not like, okay, and now here comes the vocal and then it's not there, right? But, um, you know, we, we're looking for uh, someone in the future that could potentially add that element. We don't want to say we want a vocalist in this audition vocalist and we want it to happen naturally. We want someone to bring something to the table that, you know, elevates our music, um, you know, We've, we've, we've tried a few people here and there. Um, nothing's clicked just yet. Um, but anyone listening, we've got some, uh, some sick pipes. Um, <laughs> maybe loves to scream into the mic. Maybe uh, they're a trained opera singer. You know, we definitely would be interested in, in hearing um, any contributions uh, to, to the music. Because um, again, yeah, we, we, we definitely open to, uh, some, to a vocalist in the future. Um, We've actually explored writing in that way, and you know. But as of right now, we are uh, we are four piece instrumental, and um, we have a lot of material written that is still gonna bring that instrumental four piece uh, to the forefront. I do like that take on it when it comes to you're open to the fact that you could add a vocalist in there, but you're not actively pursuing it due to the fact that you don't want to force something that isn't there. You want to if you're gonna find someone to do some vocals on on these songs you want to make sure that it's someone that vibes with you guys that fits within your realm and really complements not only the instrumentals what they're doing but also amplifies them at the same time and then the instrumentals end up amplifying their vocals at the same time as well you're looking for that perfect match however you're not forcing the issue at the same time either because sometimes what i've seen bands do is when you force the issue sometimes you put yourself in a situation where yeah you might get something that to go off on that but it might not be the perfect fit and it might end up taking away from the sound that was created and changing it in a different direction that maybe you didn't want to go in at some point. Yeah. And I, I mean, and the vocalist is, is sometimes um, can be the most fragile part, I think of, of a group as far as, you know, how, how much it can change the, the listener's um, perspective on the piece. 
And the reason why I say that is because not everyone's a musician, right? We all have emotions. We can all listen. We can all feel what we're hearing. Um, but, you know, we all speak a language, right? And we all um, can hear these words and we can, and we can connect with that um, on a much, uh, much, much, on a much wider level. Um, and I think when you introduce that, when you introduce that vocal, um, you're going to either bring on a lot of people as just as much as you're going to turn off a lot of people. Right. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, you can get people that, that aren't into heavy metal music to, to listen to us and to enjoy it. But then you bring someone, then all of a sudden you bring a vocalist who's just like, you know, and yeah. the person's going to be like, I can't do this, <laughs> you know, and, cause it's not for everyone. But and that's completely understandable. One of the things I was thinking about that too is is when you bring in a vocalist, they're always it always seems to be the primary uh selling point for the band right away is because the vocals are what people are always drawn into at the forefront of it. It's always the first thing they think about. And when when some bands like they bring in different vocalists, and when you switch vocalists, very rarely do bands switch vocalists from one to another and the band either stays on that same level or grows. You're not going to get something with like Van Halen going from David Lee Roth to Sammy Hagar every single time. You're not going to get Bon Scott to Brian Johnson. I'm you're not going to get that almost any time because everyone because when yeah. people listen to the music, they have such a connection to that sound, to that vocal style. Then you bring something else new in there on top of what the instrumental already has. It can throw people up for a complete loop if it doesn't fit perfectly within what they're expecting. Another one was Kill Switch Engage. Oh, that's a good one. Because they went back and forth. They had Jesse, then to Howard, and back to Jesse. So that was def that's you know I don't know if any other band or any other fan has got to experience of the original vocalist leaving a band and coming back. <laughs> yeah, and then on their 2019 album with um the song uh, the Signal Fire, when all of a sudden they brought Howard Jones back in on a, on that track, it was just I remember watching the music video for I'm like watching like damn, this is a pretty good track. It just needs something more. All of a sudden in the chorus, like in the music video, you see some guy just sitting there and it's like, who's, who's that? And then all of a sudden you see the back of like a bald head and everyone's just like, are you fucking kidding me? And then you just see Howard Jones just going nuts on the track and everyone's just like, holy shit, it happened. Yeah, that's pretty intense, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's great to see, you know, because, you know, and to the point, into your reaction, uh, someone who's been a fan since, you know, that, that was a, which was my uh, high school like get a 30 pack play beer pong um with nice. my friends cd you know so um you know it's, it's great as you know another story here is you know in a previous in a previous life in a previous <laughs> band with nicole we actually got an opportunity to open for kill switch engage um which you know if you would have told my 16 year old self uh who was pounding a uh, Coors Light in uh, my friend's parents' basement. <laughs> you know, I just that I don't think that would have happened. You know, and um, so that was that was a pretty cool thing. But you know, the vocalist um, conversation is an ongoing one for us. Um, you know, I, I I do vocals myself, uh, but not at the level that we we want. Um, and not to say that I suck. It's just that let me tell you, playing bass in this band and trying to sing. It's not fucking happening. <laughs> <laughs> or what could potentially happen too is, is if you guys do end up getting a vocalist, you could potentially provide some backing vocals at some time as well to provide potentially, say you get a female lead vocalist, you can provide some of that comparison and contrast style with a heavier style vocal from yourself. 
Yeah, and that's what we're, we're looking for is we're looking for that, you know, I, I, I love being able to support a vocalist um, on stage as a bass player, um, being able to support the backgrounds, bring some of that, uh, that, that CD sound to the stage, I think it's really important. Um, I, you know, a lot of bands, you know, will play their vocal, vocal background tracks, right? Um, and I think there's a degree where background tracks are, are good and, and they're a good thing to have, but there's a certain amount, I think they're, you're ruining the live field, the show and, you know, make being, you know, you, you definitely want to be able to, to bring that genuine uh, experience. And, um, you know, I love being able to support, you know, doing background vocals. So definitely something that I want to see. And, you know, you give me a mic, man, I'll, I'll scream into it. You know, it's, I grew up listening to, I grew up in that new metal phase when, uh, when, when metal was actually uh, on the charts, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like with like, so I'm thinking like corn, slipknot, disturbed, Mudbane. Oh, yeah. Mud yep. <laughs> so it, it does make sense for all of a sudden. And then with some of those vocalists as well that were in, in that time, like you got like Jonathan Davis, you've got Corey Taylor, you got David Draymond, who I always think stands above and beyond the up the rest just because his vocal style is so completely different from all theirs. It has that like prophetic preachy style to it, which is just, it fits so damn well. So you do but have again, a lot his, of. His voice is definitely going to be. I either love it or you're like, I, I can't listen, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I still remember first hearing it while playing Guitar Hero, hearing Stricken for the first time. And I'm just like, what the hell is that? Because it just, it was something I'd never heard before, but I'm like, I'm, I'll be intrigued by this. So I started listening to more and then they were my favorite band in middle school. Bring me back to my varsity hockey days. You know, that's when we jumped on the ice to uh, Down With The Sickness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just nothing beats all of a sudden you guys are just waiting to jump on the ice and all of a sudden just here oh and just go. yes that's it that's it you know all of a sudden you find yourself skating a lot faster <laughs> oh very much so i remember because i played soccer when i was in high school i was like there was one game we had where we always played on like the we always played a field that was like like over 15 miles away from where we actually attended high school just because it was it was the best field we could find at that point but there was always one game we'd play at a field that was a lot closer. It was at a local uh, university, and they had a they had a PA system. It's like, oh yeah, you guys want to play some like, uh, basically like some warm up music, and it's like, yeah, sure. So everyone was kind of submitting songs. I was mad because none of my songs got picked. Apparently, they didn't want to listen to a bunch of punk rock and heavy metal. So I was like, oh come on, that gets you jazzed up. And I was listening to what they were playing. It was all like hip hop, rap, and pop. I'm like, oh man, this ain't getting me jazzed up at all. Yeah, I know. I know what that's like. And glass to pick the songs at the party, you know. <laughs> yeah, and even when I was in college too, was all my friends told me stay away from the aux cord because they're always playing whatever, like just whatever was popular in like the mid two thousand tens, like Kendrick Lamar, Fetty Wap, and whatever mm -hmm. else was popular. And I just wanted to play. It's like Kevin, don't touch it. I'm like, why? Because you're gonna play Rise Against again. So, <laughs> so I want to listen to man listen if you put something on that you love and everyone turns you did something right yeah everyone, <laughs> like i'd put it on and so, like people would turn i'm just like yeah and then my one friend's like nope 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 can't I'm like oh come on the only song he, that i played for rise against that they didn't turn off on me right away was savior because it's, it's a good tune like no one's gonna turn that off you know if you can get that one person who's enjoying the music you're playing in a group setting you're like yes it's like my you, mission is done. You're my, you're yes. my friend now. <laughs> this guy knows. He knows. <laughs> Ex exactly. 
And then I was jumping back into the music as well that you guys have created with Callias. It's because I was listening to the instrumentals on it. And one thing that really stood out to me, especially on the fourth phase EP was the guitar work, especially from the lead guitar that was going to be played. And the reason it stuck out to me so much was because it had the feeling like it could have been the vocals itself. Cause that's just the way it, it, it sounded. It was the most prominent thing and the way it flowed it had this out. Like you could literally just, write a vocal style and just have it follow note for note, word for word. And it would fit in perfectly. So it was like the standout moment on that. And without any kind of vocals, like it created that vocal setting for itself. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's what we, we aim for with that, the lead vocal. I mean, the lead guitar, I mean, that's, that's really um, why we has that name, right. It's to really lead that, that melody and to drive that, um, you know, and I think all of us, we when we approach our lines and when we approach our music, it is um, we're no we're not doing it in a way where it's how do we support the vocalist? Because Nicole and I and and, and I'm sure Zachy and JP all have been in that. Um, can you just lay back, lay back? This is you know this is there's this is the verse or, or just don't play too much here because this is the vocals time, and I think a lot of that. Um, when you're when you're in an instrumental band, it's not it's no longer there, and and it elevates the um, what each instrument needs to bring to the music. So when I and I for instance when I sit down to write as the bass player, you know every single note is is very um, is very is meticulous is is is, is labored over. Um, I'll play it over and over and over again until I feel like the right line is there, and I know in the fourth phase. Um, the prominence of that song is the guitar and we were lucky enough to have uh, a guest in the end uh with with the solo um rick graham who um just really just if this if the song was already lifting off the ground he just you know just put it on a saturn V rocket and and blasted it uh off into orbit um and uh you know we felt pretty lucky to have that and and that he was eager and excited to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, I think what we would like to do is uh, after having that bar set, you know, now Zachy knows and Nicole know what, what they need to do, you know, <laughs> they just need to get a solo that's just this much better than Rick Graham. And then, you know, the internet will go on fire and then, you know, we can, we can retire. <laughs> then you can retire that's the that's a great way to put it then you can just do whatever the hell you want every day will be saturday for you guys it's like wake up on what day is it it's a tuesday no 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 it's saturday for me oh yeah and i just uh i just saw there's i don't know what it was on tv but it was just showing a clip of a metallica concert like 20 years 20 30 years ago the size of the crowd it like these european festivals oh yeah it blows my mind. <laughs> like it's a small city. It's actually a large city. That's like at the show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like oh yeah, how 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 big is the city? Yeah, it might have like a fifteen thousand people population. How many people are attending that Metallica concert? They had a, or it's like well, there was an ACDC concert that was in Russia. They had to move it to an like an, to an airfield. They had to put the stage <laughs> on a runway. Because of how many people were going to be at that show, it was the only place that could possibly hold all those people. A and, runway, wow. yeah, a freaking runway. It was like it was it was close to a million people. It's wow, like, <laughs> that is insane. 
It's, I'm also thinking like logistical nightmare of getting people just out of that venue after the show has to be just insane. But well, in our conversation of running out to the bathroom and finding your friend, I don't think that was happening at that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no! Oh dear Lord, See, that, that's, like, that's the kind of show I'm thinking. Like I would definitely be going to that show myself because. Oh my God, you might get lost in so many people. Yeah, but if I go with someone, I'm going to get, I'm going to lose them completely, no matter what. Definitely. (laughs) I mean, if you start crowd surfing, you're going to be crowd surfing for like a quarter mile before you get to the front. Actually, that might be the best crowd surfing you've ever had. (laughs) Nothing's like, nothing's worse than a short crowd surf, right? You actually get lift off and then you're back down. You know, that's, that's a less bummer. Yeah, and that's and like a lot of the shows that I go to or had been going to before COVID, damn you. Uh, but like it's all a lot smaller areas where people it's like, okay, you cross if you jump out, you jump up and you're up for maybe 10 seconds. And then all of a sudden security's pulling you down the front and telling you go that way to just to get back out, <laughs> just get back out there. And of course, they never cared how many times you crowd surf. All they cared about was that you didn't fall flat on your face when you got to the front of the stage. Yeah. But there's been a couple of times where with those larger crowds it's either festival crowds or just larger like larger venues that can hold crowds because this was in october 2019 and i really wanted to do this because i was seeing it was Beartooth, i prevail and data remember and during a day remember they're going to do their crowd surfing the crowd surfer and i'm like this is the time i really want to crowd surf and i looked at where i was in like in the crowd and i was already right up against the like the rail in the front of the stage i'm like okay there's no way in hell i'm doing this because it's like <laughs> if for me to yeah, try and crowd surf i'm literally going over the front already mhm yeah I, and i've seen people do that where they jump up and they literally just roll over the front two three rolls and like right into the security guard's arms I'm like what's the point of that <laughs> yeah so then you got to go all the way back around i mean maybe it's just to get all the way maybe it's just to do that just to get to the back end of the state or the crowd and do it again just so you get that maybe longer no. runway maybe you're onto something kevin maybe yeah. i just didn't know maybe i like as i've i've i'll be honest with you, i've never crowds before i was gonna do it for the first time this year i had it all planned out i was gonna do it during a i was gonna go see volbeat and because i like like i was talking about we always like i was going to shows by myself that's what i do that one I actually had friends that had already bought their own tickets for, and we were going to meet there. I'm like, okay, because then you guys can hold my stuff so nothing falls out yes. of my pocket while I crowd surf. That's the and, only time you can do it. You got to have, you know, you got to have a girl with you. You got to have that bud with you. You can, here, hold on my wallet on my keys and my phone. <laughs> yeah, it was because it was, there was about five or six of us that were going to go, and it's one of my friends I've known since I was three years old. Him, his girlfriend's a huge Volby fan, so both of them were going to go, and I told her that we were going to crowd surf. She's like, well, who's going to hold our stuff? I'm like, Oh, Jeff's going to hold our stuff. Oh, yeah, he'll hold our stuff. We'll be fine. And I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. Then COVID. <laughs> hey, man, we had tickets for our shows handed out to to uh, to, to friends, family, fans alike. And uh, sorry, no show and no toilet paper for you, okay? Oh, yeah. Just the insult to injury. Now I'm, I kind of want to go remember that uh, Data Remember concert because at the end of the show they were throwing toilet paper around the whole entire crowd. I'm like, I wish I would have kept a couple of those rolls. See, if you would have known, you could have sold those things on eBay in the spring for a pretty good good penny. <laughs> I could have I sold toilet paper for 50 bucks a roll, maybe even more. <laughs> and, I, and, and actually probably could have sold for 100, 150 bucks a roll. Vintagely, vintage toilet paper certified thrown at the crowd during a Data Remember concert. Oh, that's definitely a 20% premium. 
Oh, easily. For, I mean, I could I could just gone on like Instagram and like posted on it, and there probably would have gotten a bunch of fans. Like, hey, can I get some of that? Is it, yeah. Is it signed? How the, how the hell am I supposed to know? I'm supposed to, oh, I remember cool. I had a I got a drumstick from an El Nino concert. What's that worth? <laughs> um, not entirely sure at this moment. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I've got, I've still got some. There's some blood on the floor of the of the rave here in Milwaukee. That's yeah. Was there was a little drop still on the floor. I'm like, that's gotta be from me when I because they had this whole entire thing where as a venue they're still trying to make money during this time. The venue supposedly haunted, so they were they had like a blackout session where all the lights were off. You get to walk through with a flashlight and just explore. Oh, and wow. I was and like I was and like I was going with a friend and she was kind of like trying to like find the ghosts. Me, I was just remembering like. I remember when I started bleeding here. I remember when I got knocked in my ass here. I remember when someone hit me in the head here. <laughs> I remember when I got elbowed in the back and like had like a huge back spasm right there. Ah, <sighs> memories. Yep. I remember when I almost got knocked out. I remember when I got that nosebleed. Yeah. I remember when I almost oh, yeah. broke. Oh, I was gonna say I almost. I remember when I almost broke my nose, but that was at a different venue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Good times. Good times. But good. Alcohol. You know. I don't really drink anymore, but. Mosh pits and alcohol. I mean, it really carry you far. Oh yeah, I I never drink at shows though, for the sole purpose of I don't want to get to a point where it's like, I get like I drink too much and then I can't get into a mosh pit because if I do, I'm gonna be so sloppy. I'm just gonna get destroyed, get hurt, have to get carted out of there, end up having to go to the hospital for some reason, having to deal with doctor bills. I just don't want to do that. Plus, I want to enjoy the show fully, so I want to make sure yeah. it's like I under I I get that full on just ah, feel of it. Now, if it's a if it's a certain rock show where it's you're not gonna necessarily get that mosh pit going, like the one I drank at in 2020 was, uh, I saw Alter Bridge. I'm like, if there's gonna be no mosh pits going, I can just enjoy and chill with this one. <laughs> That's with Mark Tremonti. Oh yeah, yeah. I still I still have no idea how he does some of the stuff he does. I was I was watching like how, like like pretty much like my whole entire face during the show. I was like. Huh. <laughs> I don't know how to play guitar, but then guitar players don't even know how to do that. <laughs> Good guitar player. It was, and we'll we'll see what happens with uh with Zachy and Nicole if they can get up to that level with those eight strings. <laughs> I think I think they uh they definitely got <clears throat> they definitely got it. I mean, they, they, but after listening to that EP, they definitely have it. And I mean, one of the songs I the one of the songs we liked was uh the first song of it, which was I believe it was called Foes. If I pronounce that right, it was P H O S. So mm-hmm. it Both, should be. Yeah. And I, cause I love that, like, initially, like, you just listen to it. It has that fast pace feel behind it. I kind of call it like chugga chugga style, where it's like everything's going super fast. Like, you're going super fast on it. The, uh, the, whoever's playing the rhythm guitar at that point is just constantly going like, kind of, I was like thinking, man, it's like chugga chugga crab core kind of thing. Like, give me, throw me back to attack, attack, really heavy. And then drumming with a lot of the double, double kicks. I'm like, ooh, this is great. But then you had that just like like a higher pitch, higher distortion, a little bit genty in a way, lead guitar that I was talking about that brought forward that feeling of, okay, we're going to get this more of this lead guitar with a different tone to it that kind of also plays off in the vocals in its own way as well that could easily do that. And I absolutely loved it as a stand on that track because you had that contrasting style and it just gives the whole entire power to the song just based off of that. A lot of people I could see really getting into this and just really enjoying this song off of that fact. And I love, again, just the fast pace, the heaviness of it. It just really stood out hard. So if it was something where you guys were playing at a bar or something and I was walking across the street and all of a sudden I just heard this being played, I'm just like, I'd be walking all of a sudden, turn around. All right, here's my ID, sir. I need to get into this bar. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I, when I'm on stage, when I'm playing music like this, I like to have a lot of fun and, and I actually haven't been on stage so much with this newer bass of mine, um, which is that six string and it's super heavy. And so it's going to be interesting to see like how high I can jump or bend backwards with this bass and break stage at the same time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the song kicks ass. It's the, definitely the, the song that it got me uh, into the project. Um, and I think what I, the reason why I was in was because I was like, the fuck you play bass to this? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and because of that, I was like, man, I've studied so much music, so many different styles. And I don't think a bass player has really attacked this style, um, you know, with an and with an aggressive, uh, in an aggressive way where you know the bass line demands prominence or you know, and it's not just playing that the guitar line. Um, and uh, you know, I borrow from a lot of different players and over the years, just growing up and who I've listened to, whether it was Les Claypool or Ryan Martini from Mudvayne. Um, and you know putting all that kind of funk and metal together and my jazz and classical training into this style of music was something that you know i thought that um i could bring into the fold and really just kind of give it give it something else and um you know you're, you're mentioning that that powerful drumming you know it's how do you not how do you add something without getting in the way something has so many notes right there's so, so many chugga chuggas right and, and so many you know, we call it genty and um you know how do you put a baseline in there and i think that was the challenge and that's the challenge with the music is how do you keep up with it but also not just keep up how do you um you know, how do you lift it how do you how do you make it better what do you bring to the table um yeah, yeah and you're looking, post is definitely a challenge yeah you're looking to elevate the music with your bass but you're not looking to overpower it at the same time as well because there's there's times it's like you can always add a baseline there like a solo baseline and just be super duper cool with it. I mean, I've heard some of those. You know, you get those funky baselines or um like there's a couple times where uh, maybe you throw it even way further back. A couple times that Rush would do something like that with getting Lee on the bass. And it's just like ooh, that's interesting. All of a sudden you just hear Neil Peart come right back in with some crazy drum fills. Like okay, now this was awesome. But like bringing something like that to the fold really helps out. Plus with your jazz and classical background as well. That can also always be used as a positive due to the fact that what other bands are going to have a bass player that has that background and could potentially bring some of those pieces into their music? Yeah, and, and you know, um, me and Nicole come from a very, very different like upbringing with music. Um, you know, she kind of learned it on her own, on the road, you know, so to speak, and I was kind of more like in school, right? And um, you know, it's it's interesting to 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 work um, alongside someone so well when you don't speak the same language necessarily. Um, they say music is a universal language, but there's definitely a a, a proper dialect, right? Um, <laughs> to to speak it. Yeah. Um, and in 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 the the way that we communicate, it's not necessarily like that, and it's never been like that. Um, so that's a whole nother element of it, I think too, um, that it, it makes music different. Um, I like to like think about, I always think of like, you think of Jimi Hendrix, right? 
not schooled guy, not like, you know, he didn't have the Suzuki method uh, growing up. And, um, you know, he didn't go to, to Philharmonics after school. Um, but what he brought to the table was his own experience with his instrument. And I think that's what happens with Nicole. Um, and, you know, because she has that style, Zachy actually is, is, is more of a trained um, drummer. Um, he did, uh, you know, go to school for music as well. And um, having these different experiences with music um, and putting them together um, is really effective because Nicole can bring something to the table that needs to be translated. Um, and I think that's what the stricter, um, you know, musician in us kind of bring out of her. And what she brings out of us is that a lot of that raw energy. Um, you know, she, one of the funniest things is, uh, you know, Zachy had said about Nicole was when he, when he heard her play, he just straight up looked at her and said, you know, what did someone do to you to play like that? You know, it was just like so hilarious because Nicole is, is, is very personable and, 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 and not, um, you know, when you listen to her guitar and her aggressive guitar style, it's not her personality, so to speak. So um, it's definitely cool to hear that. And in the way we all come together from those different backgrounds, um, I think is what, you know, gives our group that dynamic that we have. It absolutely has to, because you're all coming from different backgrounds, coming from different experiences, and you learn these things in so many different ways. Plus, you guys have different backgrounds and different things, like you with more of that classical jazz background at the same time as well, as Zachy having that drummer background at the same time as well, and Nicole coming up and basically learning on the fly, learning on the road. So you're going to get so many different experiences, and that diversity in experience really can come together and create so many different sounds, because maybe the way you see something on a certain track is not the way that Nicole sees something, but maybe her idea and your idea can match up perfectly and make the certain song absolutely pop just based on fusing those two ideas or fusing those two thoughts together. Like maybe you have a different progression that you want to work with, but Nicole's got an idea of, okay, I like that progression, but it's got to sound this certain way to really work that you might not have been thinking about. And then you just play it, see how it fits. And it fits absolutely perfectly in what you're trying to do. So it's just that kind of different experience, that kind of different mindset that can really amplify so many different songs that you have and so many different songs that you're going to have going forward. Yeah, and I think, you know, the precision, the precision in the music comes from the way we all um, can interpret, can can interpret each other's parts, because we all understand what we're trying to do. You know, we I understand what JP's trying to do. I understand what Nicole's trying to do. Zachy understands what JP's going to do. And because you can't forget, Zachy plays drums, right? So while Zachy is, is, is interpreting what Nicole wants, he's hearing what JP's trying to do. And he's, and he's actually hearing it on a level that I'm not hearing it because he's a drummer. So he's, he's actually hearing what JP wants to do or trying to do. And he's able to provide some, some more insight into that. And um, I think that makes the writing process pretty easily because I know I've been in a lot of bands, right? You look at the drummer, you're like, no, no, no like play like this, like, you know, ride on the crash or, or just, you know, give me like a, give me one of these, like, give me a fill. Right. You know? Um, but like, when Zachy's talking to JP, it's more like, like, no, play like the triplet feel on the double bass while you're playing the tom roll, but like then the six four feel. And it's like just speaking that language that the drummer is able to really understand, <laughs> as opposed to the guitar player going, just give me that fill, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like something that would be similar to 
use the Foo Fighters, for example, too, because there's probably a good amount of times where Dave Grohl's coming up with an idea and has a great idea of what he wants Taylor Hawkins to do. But because Dave Grohl's background initially wasn't drumming, it's like, okay, he probably has the exact same kind of feel that Zachy does. So that's where you're going to get a lot of that more technical precision with the drumming where you're going to, it's like, you're, Zach is going to get, if he's got an idea, he's going to describe it so that he gets exactly what he wants out of it to hear it. And if it works, Hey, it works. If it doesn't work, well then we'll try something else, but you're not going to have to like consistently try and figure it out as you go along. It's like, okay, give me this and just constantly describe me what you want. Okay. This, that's what I wanted, but maybe that's not what we want to go with. Let's try this and just keep working off that. And you're not going to have that loss in translation feel as you go forward. And and they push each other too. And I think which was really good, you know, the dynamic between two guitar players and the guitar player who also plays drums. I think they wind up pushing each other really far. And, um, you know, where that leads me is, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stay caught up. I gotta stay, I can't get left behind. Right. And I think when I first joined the project, that's where I found myself. I found myself very behind, um, not in my ability to play, but my ability to contribute and, and it took a while um, for me to, to blend into the music um, and, and to not like this personality wise, just to get my parts in there. Um, because as you can hear, and, and I always describe it to people, it's like, well, how fast is it? Like how, you know, what do you have to do? I'm like, you know, that sound you make when you roll your tongue, like it's that fast. So, <laughs> you know, how do you make that musical? Right. Like I, I can play fast. But how do you play fast and, and make it musical? And, and um, that's been the challenge that I think JP has given me with his left and his right foot um, on that double bass. Um, because there's, there's so many times where I'm like, man, I got to play that. Not because, you know, I, I, like, I got to play that as like a challenge. It's like the music needs me to play that. And um, I found myself having to learn how to, um, you know, be able to perform at that level. Um, so I've been able, I've actually developed new techniques, um, you know, as part of this uh, journey for me, <clears throat> I've, I've discovered new ways of approaching the instrument, new ways of, of attacking it to get more speed, to get more agility, um, different sounds. And, you know, that's something I guess I can inadvertently just thank uh, uh, JP for, <laughs> for, um, playing his double bass uh, at BPMs that are just beyond um, normal reason. Um, no one's ever had, no one's ever forced me to play that fast before. And, um, you know, it reminds me of when I was at Berkeley College of Music, I was, um, I took lessons from Matt Garrison, who was Jimmy Garrison's son, he played with, um, I think he played with Miles Davis. And so, you know, he had a lot to live up to. And one of the things he shared with me was like, you know, I grew up, I played in this band. They all played faster than me. He's like, I couldn't play fast enough. So I developed this technique and that's what he's really known for. He plays this like four finger technique, which is just one, two, three, four. So when he plays the bass, he plays four fingers and he can play really fast. Um, but he was like, but your two fingers are, are almost just as fast as my four. I'm like, yeah, but it's not as fast as your four. So I found myself 10 years, 15 years later, having to revisit that conversation and going now is that time where I'm in that group where I need to learn how to play faster just because the music calls for it. Um, and that's when I, you know, work on a new technique, which involves just mainly my thumb, uh, 
and uh, a lot of quick twitch muscle. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes down to it too, it's, there's probably not a lot of bass players that'd be willing to try something like that and learn a new technique right on the fly just because, you know, as, as humans or creatures of habit, we get stuck in the same old style every like as we go on. So there's a lot. It's like, okay, you get stuck in it. You become really good at it. You don't necessarily want to change from it. You kind of want to just stick within your comfort zone at times because you want to double down it because you're just really good at it. However, when it comes to something with uh, – God, I'm going to mess up the name of the band again. I don't want to mess it up. I'm so sorry. Callius. Callius, thank you. Because I'm like, I look at like, oh my God. I'm gonna just I always wanted it. to say Callius when I see it. Like, I feel like it has that feel. But, you know, we go with Callius. <laughs> I'm just going to give me one of those could have had a V8 moments. But, <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to Callius, it's just like, okay, here we go. Let's, we got to do something faster. There's probably a lot of bass players that, would they probably might have been looking at before where it's like, okay, it works, but you got to play faster and they just don't want to change their technique from a two finger style. So it's like, okay, got to find someone new because they're not willing to just try and really match it up. But then when you come in, it's just like, okay, he's trying to something. He's learning. He's trying to figure out how to work with this because he has a lot to bring to the table. So let's see what happens. And all of a sudden you learn a different technique. You're going to end up playing a lot faster. And it's just like, alrighty, this really works because one thing that always stands out to me is, if it was easy, then everyone would do it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, one of the things that um, I've, uh, I don't know if it's pride, but I, I try not to play with a pick. Um, I think picks are for guitar players. Um, <laughs> it, as a, and what, what makes a bass player any different than a guitar other than it has less strings, right? Um, and I, I firmly believe it's the relationship, the string it has with your fingers. Um, you know, as an upright bass player, uh, the string is very, the way it hits your finger, it's very purposeful and it impacts the sound tremendously, whether you're plucking a string with just the tip of your finger or you're hitting the string with the whole side of your finger. And when it comes to the bass, it's, you know, it's a very similar thing. Um, so you could probably have played just as fast if I just picked up a pick, but I said, you know what, screw that. I'm going <laughs> to do it my way. Um, and you know, Victor Wooten can play that fast. So there's no reason why I can't. So. <laughs> and that probably also stems from use your classical background as well with the standing bass, because you understand that just the way that you hit it with your finger, whether it's a tip or whether it's with more part of your finger, it's going to produce a different sound. So that just adds so much more to what you already have going on. It just makes it different too. Cause like I guess that anyone can pick up a pick and it can sound like any other like blink 182 song or you know any, <laughs> it, you know it's just the, the, the picked guitar the picked bass um robs uh the the musician of, of the, the 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 sound and the timbre that they get with their right hand so uh, interesting because i've i've not really seen anyone that's talked about playing a bass without a pick or most most any string instruments without a pick for that matter because Every time someone's playing, it's like, oh, they just don't want to play with it because, you know, they get blisters on their fingers. Oh, yeah. So I, knew, I, know, I know all about that. Crazy Glue is your best friend on tour, you know? <laughs> well, I, as for me, as not the musician, I have no idea about any of this. So it's like, ooh, crap. I have to think about that. Like, oh, what happens? I got big blisters on my fingers. Crazy Glue, that shit. <laughs> Crazy Glue, man. Crazy Glue is, uh, you know, it could work wonders for a blister right before a show. <laughs> I learned that from, uh, I think, an article in Bass Player Magazine I read as a kid from Flea. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad tip, though. I mean, for, so for all for you, all you bass players out there, if you guys right. got blisters, remember, crazy glue. 
Mm-hmm. Don't overdo it, though. A little bit goes a long <laughs> way of crazy glue. Another good tip right there. Another question about the music is, because I, I know I asked you this before we started recording, but I got to ask it again. Do you guys have any ideas or any plans on bringing in the standing bass into the music at all? Right now, there's nothing there's nothing uh, pending. Um, but you know what? There's enough demand. Like I said, you know, one of the things I did during shutdown was got more intimate with that instrument because I spent a lot of time in here. Uh, so she's really strung. And she, I got new bows, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm, I can I definitely mean, totally make it happen. I, I was going to say, if you have the ability to make it happen, because with certain songs and with certain bands that really bring in more of those string instruments, like a cello or anything like that, like a, any kind of standing string instrument, like a, or like a standing bass, there's always just this added theatrical feel to it. It makes some certain song, songs just sound so much more epic. I mean, a good example is take a listen to the intro to Not Gonna Die by Skillet. It's like right away you're going to get this like super theatrical epic intro just right off of whatever. I can't. I think it's a cello, so it might be a little bit different, but or probably different. Me speaking from, you know, not very good experience in terms of a string instrument with a bow. But it just adds to – it just kind of gives you a certain other instrument to add to the sound. Another um, – just, just a whole other thing that you can add to to the music. That's something that a lot of people might not be able to do, especially with your classically trained style. You can add so much to it. You just got to do it the right way. That's pretty much what it is. And it's just, again, like I was saying, you don't want you don't want to force it. You want to let it happen naturally. But if you guys have a song, it's like, we just need something that really make it pop that theatrical epic style. Boom, sitting right behind you. I don't think you got to convince anyone in the band. If I if I showed up to a, a recording session with it, they would all be they'd all be ready to get, ready to listen. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, don't have to convince anybody. That's awesome. <laughs> just show up. All right, we're ready for this. Although I just don't know if I can use it as like you know the main bass for Fos, you know, because I don't know if I can get that like get a day, get a day, get a day, get on that. You know, I just it might be a little challenging. It, it, <laughs> It, it might be a little challenging, but then again, sometimes those super challenging things can create the best sounds. I got to like channel my inner Stravinsky, you know, yeah. if I can really focus in on the flight of the, the Phoenix. <laughs> oh, you easily could. And then one or two, two last things I really want to cover before we uh, send you on your merry way to probably keep playing and just having a good time. So <laughs> with the fourth phase EP out now, as of, well, end of October. So by the time you guys are listening to this episode, go and stream it, download it, and do whatever you can to listen to because it is damn good. What's the reception that you've been seeing off of this EP? Well, you know, it's challenging, right? Because typically as a band, you'd, uh, you'd always, you'd always want to gauge things by, hey, you know, how are we doing ticket sales? What do we do at the door? Who showed up today? And um, it's different now. Um, even then it was five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, I've been, been at this since, you know, being a, a teenager. So uh, I don't even want to tell you how long it's been now, but it's really about how, are, what's our um, engagement like with fans online. Um, we're seeing um, really good support out there. Um, like I said, through our Instagram, um, you know, JP, Nicole are super active on there for us. And um, you know, if people stop by, you, you shoot a message, you know, we see it all. Um, we engage with you all and, um, you know, any, any comments you guys leave, um, you know, we, we check them out, you know, especially if it's, um, 
you know, something that you're enjoying, uh, you know, with the, with the YouTube, we got the YouTube videos up. We do a lot of playthroughs and we try to engage with everyone as much as possible. Um, I have a playthrough, uh, up on my YouTube, um, and, uh, Warwick basically putting it up on their Facebook, uh, when it comes out, um, in a few weeks. Um, and it's been good. You know, I think it's just a, it's a slow go and you got to keep at it. And, over time, as as we as we continue to engage, we're seeing a lot more people join, and um, hopefully that will lead to uh, feet at the door and eyes on us on stage. Because you know we, we do this um, with the hopes of being able to share it in person. Because it's great to make all this music and spend all this time together and 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 create all this stuff. Um, but if we don't get to actually share it, um, you know that's it. It's not as it's not as uh, rewarding for us. So. And and for the time that we're in right now with the whole entire coronavirus wackiness, was now I'm gonna probably just label it as because it's just too wacky at this point. But being able to connect with your fans and being honestly able to connect with them through responding to those messages personally, that's gonna end up creating this sort of like like emotional equity in a way where you're just going to end up building it up to the point where people are going to just have this connection with you that they are not going to have with any other band because they listen to your stuff, they like it, and then they comment on something that you post and then you comment right back or they message you guys on something that they like and you message them right back with something that's genuine instead of just something like, thank you, like actually responding to them and taking the time to talk to them. You're going to get a lot further because right now people are valuing just that kind of stuff. They're valuing people re being able to reach out to them and if they reach out to you, just that constant conversation, people are craving that kind of human interaction that they're not getting from many other places. And if you're going to be doing that, you're just going to end up being in the forefront of their minds. Once this is all over and people are going back to live shows, they're going to end up seeing you play a live show near them. And then they're going to have this idea to think, Oh shit, I want to go see them live because I like their style and I connected with them online to where I sent them a message, wasn't expecting anything in return. And they messaged me back personally with something more personal instead of just saying that blanket thank you for listening to our music like you actually took the time to, to message up that goes a very long way yeah i mean absolutely whenever uh, anyone you know approaches with a comment whether it's online or in person you know it, it's definitely rewarding it, it means a lot I, that's why we take time to to respond um you know when i walk up to a, an artist or a band after a set i don't do it i do it with intention if i'm going to say nice set i won't say nice set to someone if i think they suck i'll just kind of make my way out but <laughs> you know um you know what one of the things i recall most recently is i went to see johnny craig live and you know you could just tell the guy leaves so much on the stage and you know i just want to let him know as a fan like that was a kick-ass show i'm so glad i came to see you and just thank you for put on that show and you know a lot of times you don't realize that if, we, if you don't get that that genuine thanks you don't get that that gratitude you're not getting that fulfillment you know maybe they won't show up and give you that show next time so definitely uh um you get what you put out oh easily it's just those shows that were like those shows where people put it all out there and put all their emotion out there and just go absolutely nuts and you just can feel that they want to be there they want to be performing that night from the crowd we can feel that and those are the shows that stick out in our minds Absolutely. I mean, I mean, sure, you're going to get the negative shows in there as well that stick out your mind as well for the negative reasons. But then there are also shows where it's like, okay, they were good. But when you bring it up, it's like, do you remember anything about that show? I remember I was there. That was about it. But 
when it comes to there's some shows where it's just you go there and you're watching them and you just get so enamored by what's going on and just the band using their energy, just driving the crowd into this absolute frenzy. It just stirs up so much that you remember that band going forward forever and ever because there's that connection that's there. It's like it's a personal thing too because you were there, they were there. <laughs> you, no one's ever taken that away from you. Yeah, it's like when I went to go see Taproot before they uh, separated. In the last tour, he, well, he's been around so long, but they started doing this thing where they would grab the iPhones uh, while you're recording them. He would take your iPhone on stage with them. So he would grab your iPhone while in the middle of the set on stage and like sing into it and like walk <laughs> around the stage and then hand it down and like, grab someone else's. And it was like, what better souvenir <laughs> to a show than to have one of your favorite artists uh, do a selfie video <laughs> on stage of the show you're at. So um, yeah, little things like that. Definitely. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just those. Way those little things go so far and it's like, yeah, everyone wants to do the big things to get them to go far, but it's just those little things. They just, they can do so much that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, well, as we're ending 2020 right now and hopefully shows return in 2021 at some point, what's the, what's the future looking like for the band for the next, well, for until we know that something different's happening with the COVID situation. <laughs> Well, um, you know, we're going to continue to write. Uh, right now, we're still promoting uh, the EP and the video. Um, you know, we're very, uh, like I said, we're very active on Collius Official uh, on, our, on our Instagram. And, um, you know, I don't anticipate us booking a show uh, anytime soon because I think we're on a, in, a, in a different trajectory right now. Um, but stay tuned. You know, when when people start showing up and opening up venues, um, we're going to be there. Maybe this guy will be there. Probably not. But whenever whenever an animal shows up on the show, whether it's a cat, a dog, a ferret, I'm always for it. Yeah, he, he's actually been like bothering me this whole time, wondering why I'm talking to my computer. I spent a lot of my time talking to computers lately, and um, I'm sure our animals are wondering what the hell's going on there. But uh, yeah, you know what? We're writing, um, we're prepared uh, to continue writing until we have a full length ready for our fans. Um, and I do anticipate us uh, having a full length, um, probably fully re- written by the summer because um, we're, we're well on our way. And um, hopefully at that time, uh, we'll ha- be able to settle, uh, you know, get some shows together and who knows, maybe there'll be a guest vocalist. Maybe not a full-time vocalist, kind but I want to bit, throw a little teaser yeah. out there. Kind of like we'll I'll say, kind of like that Apocalyptica route when they had, like 2006, when they had Corey Taylor and Adam Gante featured on one or two songs, and it's just like, holy shit, <laughs> that really worked out well. Yeah, we've had some interest here and there to do it. Um, it just hasn't come to fruition yet, but definitely, uh, you know, the right person sinks their teeth into the right song. And we think it's it's a go. Um, you know, stay tuned. Just stay tuned, everybody. Listen to the fourth phase EP. Follow these guys online, and because just and if you feel like respond or ask them a question or send them a message, do it. They'll respond. That's right. 
And as we close this out, Chris, I always like to give you the last chance to say whatever you want, whether it's to plug anything, whether it's just to say, say something nice or say a joke, rip on me for some reason. I don't know why, but the floor is yours <laughs> to do whatever you want. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, thank you, uh, giving the opportunity to come on here and share our music. Um, the band is Collius. Um, we're a four piece from New Jersey. And if you like heavy music, with a little bit of a beautiful side to it here and there. Come check out Collius. That is a great way to put it. And I will always say this. Well, when it comes to finding Collius online, whether it's on their socials where they will respond to you, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's to stream anything that they have, you guys have to just look at the description of the podcast, YouTube, Spotify, podcast, Google Play, iHeartRadio. In the description of the podcast, you'll find something that says find Callius online and you're just going to have the links and they're going to be labeled for you. I'm making it as easy as possible for you guys to find Callius. So don't worry. I got you covered. Sweet. And Chris, I do not like to end these podcasts by saying goodbye because that kind of makes it feel like, you know, it's like, all right, that's the end. Not going to see you again. And that's not something that I want because... After listening to the fourth phase EP with how <laughs> insane that heavy metal instrumental sounds, holy crap. Yeah, I want to see you guys live at some point. So once conscious come back, if, I, if I'm ever out in your neck of the woods, or you're ever out in my neck of the woods, and I see you guys just show up and like, oh, hey, they're going to be playing here. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be out there. They're playing here tonight too. Alrighty, I'm going to be there. And if you guys get a mosh pit going, if you see someone, you know, start bleeding or something or lose their hat, lose their shoe, there's a good chance it's going to be me. Well, we know you Midwesterners love heavy music, so um, there's no doubt that we're going to be coming through there. Awesome. I can't wait for it, and that's why I can't end this with a goodbye. So I got to end it with my classic because it's true. See you later. I'll see you. Well, 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 folks, that was my interview with Chris from Callius, the band out of New Jersey, an instrumental heavy metal band that is absolutely awesome. So if you guys want to get in the know with Callius, please take a look at the description of this podcast. All the links for everything social media, streaming-wise, YouTube. It is all there for you to like, follow, subscribe, share with your friends, listen to all this stuff, and just share the hell. And we'll see what happens when they continue writing, when they get out there in terms of being able to play live shows, and just how awesome this is going to be. And especially if they get that, um, what you call it, especially if they get that vocal feature on there who it might be holy crap we could have like we could basically have another apocalyptica on our hands i'm being dead serious so get in the know with them right now and that's gonna be for me today guys thank you for watching and listening to the code progression podcast brush man sotd rocks where rock and metal thrive my name is kevin and you guys know how i any other single one that was the big healthy and hearty <gasps> See?